0: Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by Sean Blumgren and Andrew Penny from Central Iowa. On our show, we discuss all things agronomy, high yield management, and give you real time updates on what we're seeing and hearing in the field. We will also gain insight from industry professionals as we bring you relevant and timely information on current agronomic practices. Thank you for joining us. So, we're getting towards the end of me uh, creating introductions for the science and management portions of these episodes, but we have a couple more that we recorded before we were actually uh, splitting them up. Um, It's kind of fun to get to introduce this. Ty Barton's story is absolutely outstanding. Um, Really admire him as both a breeder and just a scientist. Uh, His passion and dedication for a long period of time. To be part of ushering in this technology is really cool. Uh, Please enjoy science of short corn with Dr. Ty Barton. Well, welcome to uh, Penny for your thoughts, Andrew. uh, Super excited, um, a great topic today, and and we actually get to have our guest uh, in the office with us, which is which is unique. Uh, Go ahead and introduce Ty.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to uh, introduce uh, a Dr. Ty Barton, who is a or was a breeder for uh bear and um bringing uh here today to talk about short corn and so that's kind of the end goal with this podcast you know i I think we all know the benefits and some of the you know discussion points around that but i think we're gonna you know what we're gonna do here is dig into the, the science and background of short corn so ty welcome
0: thank you appreciate the opportunity Um, as we get started, Ty, I guess, um, we'll go through, you know, kind of the, the background of, of short corn and and your journey, but I guess start by telling us just a little bit about yourself, um, your, your passion and how you ended up uh, in this position with Bayer. Yeah, no,
2: um, farm kid from central Kansas, um, and really just growing up on the farm and, it always uh it always struck me when you go out and plant and you start with a little bitty seed and then by the end of the year it's produced a hundredfold more right and how does that grow and do that so I've always just biology chemistry understanding what makes plants tick has always interested me um went to k state for my bachelor's and master's degree, so ema go cats um and then uh <laughs> so then uh life, you know, comes at you fast and was going to get married and start a family. And so I took a job with DeKalb actually at the old ag in DeKalb, Illinois. Yeah. Um, we got to experience three years of, well, 18 months of like old school DeKalb mom and pop DeKalb. And then folks started getting, uh, sent down to Monsanto and St. Louis. But, um, you know, that kind of started my journey. And then, um, I moved over to the breeding group in 2003, uh, as a station manager, actually in Nebraska. Um, and then in 08, got the opportunity to come back to Iowa and, uh, work on my PhD doing uh, a stover for cellulosic ethanol. So, um, still stayed in the breeding team, worked in the discovery breeding group there, uh, worked on my PhD project and kind of my side hustle was, uh, pestering my boss about all these breeding ideas I had about, well, why do we do it this way? Why can't we do it that way? And <laughs> So um, I think he got tired of me pestering him, so he just started giving me a few side projects and different things to play with, and that grew into my full-time job. Uh, and so I started breeding corn right after school, and, and, yeah, did that for 13, a little over 13 years.
0: Excellent. Yeah, very good. Um, you said Iowa. I'm assuming Iowa State. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. State. Okay. I just yeah. I mean moved it to Iowa. I can yes. let the K State thing slide, yeah. I think. No. Uh yeah. sorry. I yeah, I just I wanted should. to make sure you went to the right school. So That's So it. who are
1: you gonna cheer for? I mean, we got a big game big game coming up with K State. Oh, I big purple, man.
2: I, I, really? I I'm a I'm a clone fan until they play the cats. And then and it's then, purple. And then it's gotta
0: be purple. <laughs> there yeah. you go. It's exciting right now. You got Kansas, oh K State, and Iowa State all tied at the top of the league. It's wild. It is wild. It's nice to have a good team again. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah andrew and i went to the texas game the other night that's about as hyped as i've seen hilton coliseum in a while i yes. i don't think i'd want to be tyrese hunter hanging out in Iowa <laughs> right now but, but yeah. we'll do another podcast on, <laughs> on this rivalry yeah we could do sports reviews but well so ty we we start our podcast um and i always ask our guests the same question um so you know, we're here today to talk about short corn, but, but besides short corn, um, what in agriculture has you excited right now? I can't, I would be
2: hard pressed to find one thing. It's, it's really all of the new technologies and the different, like all the different, uh, specialties that can have a part to play in the future of ag, right? So, We've got folks that are analyzing satellite data. We've got a whole fleet of UAVs mm. capturing images and trying to figure out how that works. We've got scientists working on the genome doing things that even 10 years ago I would never have dreamed of doing. So it's it's all of those things that are then going to come together and figure out how do we put those pieces into something that that allows us to do stuff we never even dreamed of before. And And it's the speed with which it's coming, right? I mean... I can I can think through a few really foundational things in ag that changed while I was learning. Right, so I did the first uh, at Kansas State. I did one of the first experiments using variable rate nitrogen and GIS. Right, and we like forget harnesses. We were out there hardwiring <laughs> right. stuff together, and oh yeah, this this is gonna work great. Um, and and we knew then like we would look and and see the output. And we're like, God, this is gonna be rate someday, as soon as we figure out how to use it. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of slow, kind of slow. And the thing that really got it going was everybody started with auto steer and that's what got the globes on top of the tractors. And once you had that, you had the opportunity to do so much more. And so, you know, that, that's just one example, but there's going to be all sorts of things like that. I think that we may not even deliberately think that this technology is going to apply to ag and then somebody's going to figure it out. And it's, it's that, um, that discovery piece, I think, is what's coming so fast at us. And
0: you never even know where the next cool thing's coming from. Before we started today, we were telling stories about early drone technology adoption. And I was, Telling these guys, you know, when you're standing out there with the first drone, you're holding, you know, tinfoil up in the air, trying to extend the range yeah. of the remote yeah. control, yep. you know, and, and not lose video, uh, video or whatever. But no, I appreciate that. It's it's definitely interesting. Um, just like the rate of technological gain yep. and then the ability to apply it. We're certainly at a pretty fun time. Yeah. I'm sure everybody kind of has felt like that, kind of in the middle of their career, you know, but yeah. it it definitely seems true right now. The the rate of
1: gain is just just awesome. Definitely. definitely. So, so we kind of wanted to open up on, on the, the, you know, the smart corn system and, and short corn specifically to, you know, we, we kind of know some of the benefits. You know, obviously, you know, you, you think about access, right? Mm-hmm. We, we know that, uh, you know, we, we can be increase our nitrogen use efficiency if we split apply nitrogen, right? We know that uh, if we can get in there with a sprayer and, and put our own fungicide on, that's going to be beneficial to growers. But the, the goal of this was to to, to kind of dig into the science behind short corn. So, so before we do that, Ty, can you give us just a, your description of what is short corn?
2: Yep. So, in my mind, short corn is um, a different phenotype than what we're used to in our commercial corn products. Um, something that's a shorter phenotype, and and really thinking towards an idiotype that we can manage the crop differently with. So. Um, our definition kind of is less than 84 inches tall with at least a 24 inch ear height. That's kind of the criteria, but really in my mind's eye, it's something that's about six feet tall with a two and a half foot tall ear and, and, um, you know, really stable and sturdy against the force of the wind, but yet has an ear height above where we're concerned about getting
0: the picker schnoots underneath it. So you've been working on this for a long time where did where did the idea come from i mean you're hanging out one day and you're like yeah. i got an idea yeah. i mean walk walk us through when when did that light bulb go Two off you guys walked into a bar yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: no so so short corn was really the means to an end for me um so my project what i was working on was really exploring genetic gain under plant density um what could we do to rate of genetic gain if we specifically selected for performance under high plant population? And we were getting really good results, right? You can really pack plants out there and get a lot more ears per unit area and uh, drive yields that way. But the problem is, you know, the old breeder adage yield doesn't count until it's in the bin. And uh, Mm. we had a lot of really good yields, really flat on the ground. Um, (laughs) And so, um, you know, it's just it was it was something we were, in spite of trying to select for standability in tall corn, we just were not making the progress that we wanted to see. And so, um, visiting with some colleagues and and talking with folks, they they led me down a path to a breeder down in Mexico who uh, his name is Jose Gomez, and uh, he eventually became my my mentor. And he was working on a lot of the same stuff um, in Mexico and Sinaloa. They Really push pops under very high productivity, uh, and he had uh, experienced several windstorms that knocked down their crop as well. And so his history goes clear back to Simmit and some short corn work that they were doing back then. And uh, and he's like, "Hey, I've I've got I think a solution to this. If you want to try it, I'm like, sure. Let's try some crosses and go." So uh, back in 2010, he made some crosses for me, and we brought him up, and we tinkered with him for several years, and. Then we got to the point where we'd seen enough. And I said, "Let's go. This is going to work."
1: Hmm. That's a that's a pretty fascinating story. So you've been working on this for quite some time, then? Yeah. Since
2: well, we had our first nurseries here in Iowa in 2011. Um, obviously, down in Mexico, they'd been working on it for a number of years before that. And and uh, yeah, back it would have been around 2016. We we flipped my program fully short corn. Yep.
1: So so thinking about where we've come from and where we're at now, right? We, we've, what, two years ago, well, last year we had our, our agronomy experience trials, right? Mm-hmm. So we had the first, the, the finished product. How do you go from an idea like this to, you know, selecting from germplasm, going from that to an inbred, from an inbred to hybrid? Yeah. And then, and then the end product, you know, we're get to planet.
2: So I'm sure most of my breeding colleagues thought I was nuts uh, when we started doing that because, um, so you're, we're, we're doing... Basically, conversion and selection with a uh, hormone mutation, oxygen um, transport mutation, and so whenever you start tinkering with hormone pathways, you you kind of get some weird things once in a while, and it certainly doesn't. Uh, it wouldn't be classified as elite material by any means. <laughs> um, so, so I guess that's what I'm the most proud of is you know in in basically ten years time, we were able to take a bunch of material that was unadapted and not really elite in any way and try to catch up to the pipeline to where we're actually competitive. uh, And we have the same yield potential out there. And then we can show the additional benefit of having standability and all the other access stuff that you can do. But it's, it it really was um, I I probably can't say too much, but we uh, we drove really hard, really fast. And that was the, that was the name of game. We had a ways to catch up, uh, to get that performance, and so um, really strove to think through breeding methodology and techniques that drove the speed of selection and cycle time, uh, so that we could recover that yield potential and all the other great attributes that make a good product, and and then just get it into a smaller, shorter package.
0: So, when you're talking about those mutations, is this is the product being offered in 2023, or mm-hmm. the product that was in the grower trials in 2022? Is that Considered a genetically modified plant? No. So this version that is uh growing in
2: farmers' fields is our groundbreakers this year. It's a naturally occurring mutation. Uh it's BR2, burchitic corn. It's a homologue of DW3 and sorghum. So we've got a lot of experience with this mutation in uh in C4 grasses. Um it's basically an oxen transport mutation. So the plant is producing oxen, it just doesn't transport it as readily. Um, and so in early vegetative growth, in particular, there's not a lot of free auxin floating around, and so this mutation really prohibits that rapid elongation of the inner nodes below the ear. Um, later in growth, there's so much oxen floating around that it kind of gets around it, and so you can continue to get a decent ear height and a decent uh, plant height in total, but we're really uh, driving <clears throat> towards a shorter inner node below the ear with this trait. The future trait that we can talk about later, if you want the the there is a biotech trait that uh, we are working on. It's about four or five years uh, out in the pipeline. It is a regulated uh, biotech trait that that is a completely different mode of action.
1: Okay, so so this first gen product, <clears throat> it, is, it is considered non-GMO. In, in your, we are specifically targeting the auxin within the the lower part of the node or the below the ear leaf, the internodes, the auxin transport.
2: It's just, it's inhibiting auxin transport in the plant, and the part of the plant that's actively growing when it can't be as okay. readily transported is those lower inner nodes. Got
0: gotcha. you. So then when you see these in the, <coughs> excuse me, when you see these in the field, then you just expect to see a a, a compressed set of nodes from basically nodal roots to the ear?
2: Yeah, yep. okay. exactly. Yep. We're just knocking several inches out of those internodes to to lower the stature down below the ear. Yep.
0: Okay. So first gen product that's going out in 2023. What would your expectation be of of off types and tall plants? I mean, a grower that's actually going to go out and implement this next year. What would you what would you expect to see?
2: Yep. So, being a recessive uh, allele, it has to be carried in both both parents. And so, in a production field, for example, if you have Stray pollen floating in, or an outcross in your in your foundation seed, then that's the tall allele, and so those would be seen as out outcrosses. Um, and so, you know, it's basically using best management practices in production, making sure we have pure seed to keep those outcrossing to a minimum, and making sure we have isolation distance nailed so that so that we keep that stray pollen out. But we have testing that we can do and identify the purity of these batches before we would sell them, and we're going to. You know, make sure that we don't exceed thresholds and and keep it as pure a product as possible.
1: Sure, sure. So 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 we've talked the first gen short corn product. You know, within the smart corn system, what, what can we expect with the second second generation short corn?
2: Yeah. So the second the second one is um, as I mentioned, it's a completely different mode of action that came through our biotech team. Um, there was a paper published on that in Plant Biotech Journal or Biotech Plant Journal. I can't remember the name of it exactly, but uh, Tomek. Uh, published that here a couple years ago, just beautiful science. Um, the way that they understood how GA uh, is produced and, and tissue specifically produced in the plant and then targeted uh, the regulation of that to drive growth and get the phenotype that they got, it's really um, it's just fantastic science. And so uh, the product demonstrates all the same attributes as what the first gen does. It's fantastic standability. The roots are great. Um, it's it definitely meets that short corn concept, uh, and we're excited to get that out and and help you know get even more products to choose from as we drive towards commercialization and and get those out in the marketplace.
0: First of all, when when do we expect to see the second gen product? Is that twenty four? No, it's it's further out than that. I think the last estimate I've I've seen is kind
2: of end of the decade ish, a okay. um, couple years before the turn of the decade. Okay. So um, it's in the middle of the regulation review process right now so
0: what's your expectation as that hits the market in terms of you know off type consistency that sort of thing yeah so it's a it's a dominant trait so um shouldn't have the
2: same blow-in pollen issues in production that we would have with a a recessive trait your purity really drives then to your foundation seed. so you got to make sure you have pure female male foundation seed but should have less less issues without crossing there
1: and, and you kind of touched on this too. Maybe you mentioned it. So so with the, the first gen non-GMO, we're impacting oxen transport, correct? Mm-hmm. And in the second one, I think you mentioned gibberellic acid. Yes. Is, are we yeah. inhibiting gibberellic acid transport or what's the...
2: No, it's... So I'll direct you back to the paper. Um, <laughs> it'll do a much better job of explaining it than, than I would. But again, it's... it's um, the, the GA production in the plant the piece that's just fantastic is that it's tissue specific, right? So they were able to identify where to knock out GA or, or modify GA uh, so that it impacted the stem and, and really nothing else. And so it gives you that nice phenotype without impacting any other parameter of growth in the plant. Wow.
1: Mm. I'm sure that's an overly comp. I can picture the paper right now. I bet the terms, (laughs) (laughs) I bet bet one sentence I would probably know one word out of the entire sentence. Uh, just picturing all this stuff that we yeah, discussed. I was
0: going to say we need to have another
1: <laughs> podcast. Doctor Ty Barton reads
0: us uh, newspaper articles and explains what they mean. A lullaby for your children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, well, so so the science is fascinating. The process is fascinating. Um, help me kind of understand uh, just just kind of the the. Plant physiology, the light capture, the the I guess the the physiology of the short corn. I mean, I think traditionally, when we think about shorter plants, we think about limiting that that leaf area and mm-hmm. limiting the overall size of the factory. So, I guess help me understand kind of kind of light absor- absorption and those characteristics of the plant.
2: Yeah, so the short corn hybrids are um, really only impacting the internodes. So every every aspect of the of the leaf so light capture is the same it's it's the same length same width it's very it's the same germplasm pool as the tall so you're going to get the same type of leaf and canopy uh that you would in the tall plant you're just distributing those leaves in a shorter distance vertically right so as long as they're and they're they're same gdu driven right we're coloring a leaf at the same rate um, so the growth is really the same. The The amount of light to intercept and absorb is the same. And then the efficiency of, of light to, to carbohydrate conversion is the same. So um, it's really basically the same plant. It's just not as tall. And uh, that's, again, that's what helps us drive toward those, yield, the same yield potential and developing and filling the same ear size. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of A Penny for Your Thoughts. We love your feedback. Please email us at a at gmail.com. That's a penny the number four, your thoughts at gmail.com, or reach out to Andrew and I on our social media. Thank you for tuning in.